Welcome to the Phobos Militia Hobbycast. On business. <laughs> on business, and business is bad. <laughs> <laughs> Time to drink some vodka and hail Freddy. Here's to you, Freddy. Hail Freddy. Freddy is my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's uh let's do this the typical VGBS thing where we'll reference Wikipedia but tear it apart. Alright. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> That's right. So, first of all, it says the franchise revolves around fictional character. He's not fictional. He's real. <laughs> I dreamed about him last night. And, and and always remember, Phobos, Militia, Hobbycast listeners, Freddy and my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Freddy and my friend. Freddy and my friend. <laughs> so, so what's funny is right after they talk about Kruger, they say he's Freddy Krueger, a former child killer. He kills freaking kids all the time. <laughs> former. 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 He, like, hung up the glove. I hung up the glove years ago. I never killed after that. I never killed. That's the day <laughs> I hung it up. <laughs> so, so basically, um, Freddy, my friend, uh, <laughs> stalks, stalks teenagers. Stalks teenagers in the dreams and kills them. That's what they say. And apparently they say he's seeking revenge on the parents who had burned him alive. 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 <laughs> um, yes, that is true. So, Russ Craven, horror mastermind, wrote and directed the original. Wes Craven rules. He returned and co-scripted the second one. He didn't write it all. And the third one. And New Nightmare. All the films collectively have grossed over four hundred and fifty-seven million dollars. <laughs> Most of them were produced by the independent film company New Line Cinema. <laughs> Robert Shea, and they actually attribute the um the actual growth of the company to the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, which is interesting. Yeah, that was their big blockbuster treat. Yeah. To, to say that critics were mixed about these films would be a gross understatement. Most critics hate this this film series because they are looking at it analytically from like a film perspective. When you know you gotta look at this from a horror perspective. Sure, that makes sense. Most of the movies are intertwined loosely. And there's a television show in 1988 um, that was also produced with Freddy as the host, kind of like the Crypt Keeper, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Um, there was a crossover film with, with Jason, Jason the Thunder Hawthorne, that we'll probably talk about. That's right. <laughs> Our buddy. Which was not the last one, because then they did a fucked up um, remake. Oh, God, yeah. Terrible. Ooh. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> um, so... Before we start going through every one, so what is your favorite, and why is it Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> so yeah, I would say the first movie is like one of my favorite movies of all time. It sets the bar like so impossibly high. Mm-hmm. It's And uh, it came out after that first wave of slashers, so... It's more inventive in that it's not just a slasher, so they added the whole dream thing to it. Yeah. So now you have to, like, stay awake, and um, that's actually based off a true story, too, I guess. Yeah, and for most people, it's kind of hard, usually, when it comes to a franchise, especially a big one, to top the original. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much going right for that. Like, Freddy's so dark. There's so much blood and gore. The music's amazing. Uh, you have Wes Craven's direction. I would say the only thing, the ending, 
is the only like weird thing about that whole film. Other than that, it's so I, I would put it at like I would still put it at like five stars for like a horror film. So I I think it's a kind of a loaded question to talk about like what your favorite is because I feel like traditional slasher style the first one, but when I talk about for the franchise of Nightmare on Elm Street, I have to go with part three. And it's because all the characters, they scream 80s. You get, you get invested in all of their protagonists, cause you know, you have your dream warriors, and you got all the crazy, you got the nerdy guy who's the wizard, and you got the, the chick who just thinks that she's a punk rocker, and she thinks she's gonna take off Freddy. And <laughs> you got the, the muscle guy, and you, they all have like a cool, like, dichotomy to them. They're cool as shit. Um, and it changes, that movie is what turned Freddy into a walking, talking, kitschy machine. Like they, he, that's what started the parody of the series, which can be seen by some as good and by some as bad. Yeah, cause he's, he's still kinda dark in the second film, whereas in the third film, Welcome to Prime Time, bitch, you know? Mm-hmm. I actually would equate Dream Warriors to, like, a final chapter, Friday the 13th Part 4, because the actors, like, oh my god. They're class. That, that's where that movie becomes my favorite one, because it's, like, literally everybody in the movie is awesome. So, like, uh, Heather Langenkamp as Nancy returns, John Saxon returns, Wes Craven is back. To your own defense... The characters in part one are awesome too. However, I feel like the char- the protagonists are a lot stronger in part three. It feels like they might have a chance. They give them all these little powers and things. It's, it's a cool thing. And we as kids pretended to be like warriors and, you know, usually mystical creatures and things when we we're going around in the woods and playing. So it's literally like a reenactment of my childhood going through here. And I was a child at the time when the movie came out in 87, even though we probably didn't see it till later. Like, other than those, you also have Patricia Arquette. Mm-hmm, yes. Who's fucking awesome. And Lawrence Fishburne is in there. Um, Larry Fishburne, Kyle. Yeah, so Morpheus is in there. So that, yeah, that definitely boosts the star power to Friday Final Chapter Heights. And then, since Wes Craven was uh, assisted with the story and the screenplay, I mean, you just can't go wrong with that. So, did you know the director, the director's Chuck Russell of Part 3, he directed the remake of The Blob. The fucking awesome. Yeah, that's a really good one. I love that movie. He also did the Arnold film Eraser, which is actually pretty good. Okay. And The Mask, which is interesting. And, of course, with The Rock, The Scorpion King. <laughs> I actually like Part 2, The Revenge, a lot a lot more than most people. And should we go into, like, our first stories with Freddy? Yeah, yeah, we can go into our first stories. Um, The director, though, from Part 2 directed Wishmaster 2. Make your wishes. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, and um, Alone in the Dark. But, yeah. All right. So, um... I guess for me, it all came back to uh, Matt Barney, mm-hmm. who I had actually watched my first Friday the 13th film, Friday Part 7, during a sleepover. But So, Freddy was like his main horror favorite. Um, so, like, in his room, he had like the Freddy poster, I think he had like Ultimate Warrior poster, Iron Maiden poster, a Brutus Barber Beefcake poster. But, um, yeah, so... Brutus? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the little shears. I just remember the picture. <laughs> little mullet child. <laughs> like, wake up to that mullet every day. It turns me on, Mean Gene. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of introduced me to the wrestling and the the horror world when I was really young, because I was still into like Transformers, you know, and uh, Masters of the Universe and stuff. But about about how old were you when the when you had this nightmare story? So, I would say, fuck, um, second grade. Damn. Because we were hanging out, like, when we were really young, you know what I mean? Damn. So, you're, you're talking you're seven. Because I was going to his house, and he, he always had that. See, he was like Freddy for Halloween. So, he had the mask, and the the Ooh. glove, and the, the sweaters. So like, Freddy was his guy. 
And, and around that time, you would have been around part four or five would have been released. Yeah, so Freddy, uh, this is a good point to put this in, was already like, man, he did everything as far as pop culture goes. I mean, I mean even like little products he had. Mm-hmm. You know, he had little cards and little dolls, and it got to a point where... He became pop culture. Yeah, and it it wasn't like a scary thing anymore. It was like kids were into it. That was the weird thing about Freddy that he appealed to younger audience, and it was almost accepted as like that's okay because I I was there. I thought that was weird. It was like wow, like the stuff's rated R, but yet it's marketed to kids, and I always thought yeah. that was strange because you you know you had your little Halloween. Like the glove you could buy and little hat and stuff, so mm-hmm. it's proof that it was like marketed the kids. So I don't know, kids kind of blows my mind, but that was the first introduction. And the, when I saw the Nightmare on Elm Street, the thing that grabbed me was the music. It was like my God, it's still probably my number one favorite movie soundtrack of all time. It just blew my mind. I was like, this is the greatest. Oh yeah, the atmosphere in the first film is also still my favorite. To me, it's the greatest film. Wes Craven's ever done because he did uh, Last House on the Left and then The Hills Have Eyes leading up to Nightmare on Elm Street. And Scream. Um, Scream came later. Yeah, Scream came way later. He made the most money off Scream because the thing with Nightmare on Elm Street, New Line basically said you have to sell off all the rights to Freddy and everything like that for us to produce this film because they were, you know, poor. Mm -hmm. So actually Wes Craven didn't make it like shit off Freddy. And that's what's crazy that... It's kind of like um, Toby Hooper with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He didn't make shit off that movie. Back in the day, I guess even a lot of bands back then, in the 60s and the 70s, they didn't make shit. Like, they made their money up front, but there was no, you know, like, royalties or anything to, like, keep it coming in. So it's kind of like, what you got paid was what you got paid, and that was it. That's when you have a bad publisher. (laughs) Yeah, so, and what's crazy is, like, Wes Craven had his script floating around for years. No one wanted to pick it up. No one saw, like, how awesome it was. Like, no one had the foresight to be like, oh, you know, this this is something that I can really sink my teeth into and make an amazing movie out of. So, yeah, he had a brilliance to him, too. Um, so, yeah, that's why, for me, that's, like, his magnum opus. Also, like, every time that I watch the first film, I can't wait to like go to sleep you feel so like fortunate (laughs) you feel fortunate because that was actually based off a real story i guess where some kid had like a percolator underneath his uh table or something in his room and he was he was afraid to go to sleep and he told his parents he couldn't go to sleep or else he'd die and they you know didn't believe him of course and then he actually ended up dying it was like a newspaper clipping, and then Wes saw like this old man when he was in his room as a kid looking out the window. There's some like old raggedy man walking by with the hat on, kind of like the whole coat, trench coat deal. And he like looked at Wes, you know, all crazy style. And it's just like the gleam in his eye from like scaring a child was how Freddy was born, basically. What I also thought was cool too is that like Robert England from the very beginning. Had Freddy down cold. He he said, like, the key was keeping the glove arm slightly lower than the other arm to show the weight of the blades and the glove. And it kind of gives Freddy a creepy, like, irregular walk. And he also said that idea is taken from, like, the gunslinger films with their holsters, basically. So it's pretty brilliant. And that's also... A signature of Freddy. So anyone who's not Robert England, you know, you can tell right away, like, England really started all that, for sure. Yeah. I'd also say, like, Nightmare on Elm Street, it set the bar really high. It's kind of like Halloween 1 and 2, where they set the bar so high that the others just kind of pale in comparison, kind of. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. But Nightmare on Elm Street has um, Dream Warriors going for it. And like I said, I do like Revenge. Um, I actually ended up running that one a little bit after I had seen the first Nightmare on Elm Street at Matt Barney's house. So by the time you were eight... (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah, then we ended up watching um, part two. Barney's mom was cool. She would just rent that stuff for us. She She wasn't like strict or anything. 
we would watch them all eventually. Um, but yeah, I would say my favorites, one, two, three, and then I love Freddy's Dead. Mm-hmm. Those four are like my personal favorites. And uh, so let's hear your story. Your story. Well, uh, Freddy, my friend. <laughs> Freddy, my friend. <laughs> all day, my friend. <laughs> so, so, so mine's a little different. I think I was about ten when I saw the first thing, and it was literally when they um waited and they brought out um the final nightmare. Freddy's dead. Ah, uh, yes. And I, because I was a gamer, I saw the uh, the Power Glove Freddy uh, scene. They showed it on like daytime TV or something, like right during the cartoons. Hell yeah! You forgot the Power Glove. Like I saw it was like on a talk show or something that was on right before cartoons after school, and was, yeah, they showed that scene. And I always remember seeing that. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, you know, I'm like ten, so it like blew my mind. I had no clue what that was, and and of course by 91, I was playing Mario 3 and all that, so... It was perfect timing. Yeah. So, but that was the thing, though, is that, like, that's when it, like, piqued my interest, and I think we started talking about it after that at, like, the next family hangout, which I think was, like, a shakies thing. Because our families would get together, like, at, like, arcades or cool little, like, birthday parties and holidays and stuff like that. And But, yeah, so I was about... 10 when I saw Frederick von Kurgenstein, but it was already well into parody. Like, so your first experience was more horror esque, where you saw the slasher side. Yeah. I just saw crazy ass funny Freddy. Fun time. And I'm like, who the fuck is, and you know, they show him he gets, gets killed or whatever, the kid, but like, it's a, it's a joke at that point. It's parody of itself. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I actually, until after we started talking about it and then, I was 10, but like by the time we started talking about it and then we started hanging out your parents' uh, cottage that they had by the lake, we'd watch horror movies. That's when we started, around that era is when we started watching like every single one again. You were watching them like for like the hundredth time, whereas I was finally getting to watch them. <laughs> Going crazy. I didn't have the, the opportunity though. Like my parents wouldn't let me rent any of them. And you know, you, you had the neighbor kid, kids that were watching it where I didn't. Especially when I discover, like, pot. I just like to sit there and, like, get stoned and watch that shit, like, all day long. <laughs> yeah, man. It's just one of those things. I don't know what it was, man. I didn't start drinking until I was, like, 25. I was always, like, just a stoner kid. Pot master. I just like to just watch a movie. John Carpenter said the same thing. as roll a fat joint. Fucking watch a movie, like, old school grindhouse flick. You know, that was just, like, my... That was what I did for years and years and years. So years and years and years. <laughs> so then, for your story, keep going. Yeah. So I, you know, saw that piqued my interest. Um, I don't think I actually got to watch Freddy's Dead though till like many many years later. Okay. I think I watched most of them at your place, but it was badass time, and I mean, we watched a lot of horror movies together. That's so great, man. Tons, tons. And then tracked them all down, all the other ones we didn't have, yep. Yeah, pretty much. We've seen everything now. It's what started the, the horror movie madness, the obsession. It's why the Phobos Militia Hobbycast exists. Because, um, I mean, there's more to, to us than just video games. We have so many little hobbies. It's great. Yeah, I mean, we banged out three episodes on Friday the 13th, and this will probably be like our main nightmare on, on Elm Street. Um, yeah, this one will be like the memories, and then we might do episode by episode like another time. Yeah, exactly. You just never know. Right now we're just going to bullshit about Freddy and what we like about him. So I'm a weird one, though, because I actually, probably because my first experience was with the parody, I actually, that's probably why I prefer the the funnier uh, movies such as three and six because I kind of like the, the one liners and things. However, I really don't like dream child. Uh, so let's talk about what we don't like. Yeah. God. Oh man. I don't like the kid. Number one. Um, I just, I don't like, I don't know what it is about that kid. There's just so many kids in in those types of films. They do a terrible job, in my opinion. And what, what do you what do you think about the kid in Wes Craven's New Nightmare? 
Oh, and that's actually Gage who plays in Pet Cemetery. Yep, Pet Cemetery boy. In Pet Cemetery, he's not bad, but New Nightmare, no. he's pretty bad. New Nightmare, he's like, ah! that's his acting. Ah! God. <laughs> spasms and shit. Little spasm child, like, please kill him, Freddy, please. Yeah, it's like that, and then you take movies like Thunderdome that have these little kids in it. It just kind of spoils it for me. I don't know what it is. You have um, even like childish type movies like uh, Conan the Destroyer kind of like pertains to a younger audience. It has that feel to it. It's not as serious as Conan the Barbarian. And that's kind of like a good example of like what Thunderdome is too. It's like it has that Goonies feel to it. And Goonies is what you expect, you know what I mean? Yeah, but when you're expecting a Conan or a Mad Max. It's different. Exactly. And you just got Road Warrior, you know, like one of the best films like ever. And then you get that and Tina Turner and like all these little kids running around and it's like fuck. But yeah, it's just kind of an example of that where there's just that little childish aspect. Um but but Robert England is in all the films, so that's one great th- all the original, you know. <laughs> you know you know all the original films. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's something about um, I. I really growing up and when we would watch it, I never really cared for Part Four, The Dream Master. But I think that now I would appreciate it more. Yeah, I would say yeah for sure. Like Part Five and Part Four are my least favorite. Yeah. But Tuesday night, she replaced Patricia Arquette. Mm-hmm. She she didn't have it. As Kristen, and number one, I just hate when they, um, they, they did it right with Tommy Jarvis, but he aged through the years, kind of, well, it's debatable between five and six. Aged to a different actor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she's kind of already grown, so it's, it's just like switching, doing the bait and switch. It's like the Darrens on Bewitched, or in Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Uh, Jodie Foster, uh, Julianne Moore plays her in Hannibal. Mm-hmm. As if we wouldn't notice. As if. As if. Shaw. <laughs> Shaw. <laughs> so that's just one of the things that it kind of, she doesn't have it, like you said. But Patricia Arquette has like uh, energy to her. Yeah. Yeah, there's just something special about her. I just never felt that with Tuesday Night. Again, Robert England's in it. Robert England is in all the classics. Well, I think Part 4 has some brutal kills, too, though, so... They all do. The weird thing is they kill off all the surviving cast of the Dream Warriors in the beginning of Part 4. Yeah. Like, the first reel, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of weird, too, how it's like two movies, kind of. You have this, like, let's kill everyone off in the last movie, and then we have the new movie. The new, the next story. Yeah. So, but yeah, I don't think Tuesday Night brought it. I the kid in Dream Childs irks me. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I can't stand the fucking kid in Dream Child. <laughs> God, and I a lot of Dream Child I didn't care for, but again though, like I haven't watched four or five purposely in probably ten years. Long time. It it might appreciate it a little more. I've watched one, two, three, six, New Nightmare. Um, New Nightmare, I I like a lot now. I mean, little fucking sp- hyper spastic kid, I don't like, but. <laughs>
New Nightmare has that scream quality to it, where it's it's uh, it's like intelligent. It knows it's self aware. Yeah, it is. It's a self aware film. It's like a little predecessor to Scream, isn't it? Like it was released a year or two before. I think that's pretty much like the route that Wes Craven was going in. Mm-hmm. Was um because he also had like movies where. Um, someone got, like, cryogenically frozen. I can't remember what it was, but the plot was. And then when they came back, they, like, weren't all there. Encino Man? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes! He definitely wasn't all there. <laughs> Getting the weasel! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Polly Shore is dead. Oh, crazy, Polly. <laughs> so, so, yeah, Craven was, like, experimenting with unique, strange plot points and things that were like post-modern horror which is kind of what nightmare on elm street was with the dreams because it it wasn't like a friday the 13th slasher it was a slasher but you know like we said it had the dream aspect Mm -hmm. exactly i mean the dream aspect allowed you to do pretty much anything that's the other thing it's all fucking crazy and i think by the time you got to Freddy versus Jason, you know, they've had so many movies that you could go through, and, like, they were literally at that point fucking with you, like, what, are they asleep or are they awake? That's the best part about the films, I think. Because you don't know, and then, like, they cut away, they cut the camera away and back, and all of a sudden, are they asleep? And at nine times out of ten, yep, <laughs> going to the boiler. And, and that actually encapsulates the whole series, it could all be a dream. Yeah. Which is kind of like the the ending of the first Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, <laughs> where it's like, what what is that? You know, suck you through that fucking window, <laughs> the door, little doll goes through the door, like what the fuck? <laughs> that was such a bad effect. <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, that was just a classic, like Wes Craven, writer director Wes Craven versus the producer Robert Shea. Who's like mm-hmm. the New Line Cinema mastermind? So basically, Robert Shea wanted the jump scare ending where Nancy's mom gets pulled through the door window and a little blow up doll madness, <laughs> <laughs> and then the Freddy car traps the teenagers inside and drives off with them screaming. But Craven wanted the ending to have Nancy just wake up, like all is well. She meets her friends and they like walk off, and that's the end. But in both endings, Craven pushed for the little girls jumping the rope. Yeah. So it has that singing the Freddy song, which is brilliant because it's so creepy, you know? That's what you think of when you think, you know, the Fre- uh, Freddy is the one, two, Freddy's coming for you. <laughs> yeah, and how the kids are like the next generation that's going to get haunted by Freddy, you know? Yeah. So that was the thing, like, Wes hated the ending and he like he he didn't like a lot of ideas robert shea had there was the other idea when nancy's going up the stairs you know how like she pulls up the stairs and there's like goo on her feet and they're like sticks uh west craven didn't want that robert they had like knockdown drag out fights like practically i guess like at least verbally and in the verbal sense the first freddy versus jason they had like verbal just wars against each other on set. It was, like, very uncomfortable, you know. But, yeah, that was just the thing when you get creative, where you want something one way and someone else wants it another way. It's like a band, you know. Like, each has their own vision. What's the Who's going to come out the victor? <laughs> so, that's why Craven didn't return for part two. He's He was done with Shay. He, he just went on to do something else, you know. But, yeah, so that was the whole deal with the ending of part one so they push for the jump scare ending that's what we got i don't know if that was the best one but it's crazy so i mean at the very least we can laugh so do you want to hear about the uh, the basis for the original movie yeah go ahead read it up so the basis for the original movie was said to be inspired by several newspaper articles printed in the la times in the 70s on a group of K-H-M-E-R, so Khmer, Khmer, refugees, after fleeing America from the Khmer rogue genocide in Cambodia, and they were suffering disturbing nightmares after which they refused to sleep. Some men died in their sleep soon after. Medical authorities called the phenomenon Asian Death Syndrome. The condition affected only men between the ages of 19 and 57 and is believed to be 
Sudden Unexplained Death Syndrome, or Brugada Syndrome. 70s pop song Dreamweaver by Gary White sealed the story for Craven. Um, let's see about this genocide. Holy shit. It was like the Cambodian Civil War, and basically he was uh, enforcement of its social engineering policies. The deaths of thousands of people from uh, treatable diseases and things. So basically, they were like suffering from mass diseases. So they were going through like a... Their mental breakdown was insane because they were hit with common diseases all at the same time. And then, and Craven said there was a story of that that kid that I was talking about before, too, like, who lived in the house with his parents, and so there there was that kid, too. So, yeah, man, like, it's fucked up. Initially, Freddy Krueger was intended to be a a child molester. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then Wes... Yeah. Yeah, and then Wes Craven said something happened, like some news case broke out at that time, and they had to pull the reins back. Yeah, there was a highly publicized child molestation case that occurred in California around the time. There it is. So basically, by Craven's account, his own adolescent experiences led to naming Freddy Krueger. He had been bullied by a child in school named Fred Krueger. <laughs> he colored the sweater based on the character Plastic Man. It's a DC character. Which is interesting because... He, Plastic Man that I know is wearing red and yellow, but that's okay. I just want to throw in here, he said that red and green together fuck with your eyes, and that that's why he made the red and green stripes. Yeah, they're the two most clashing colors for your retina. Yeah, so he probably got the idea for, for the stripes, and then he added the color scheme. So, here's an interesting aspect, is, is that the idea... In 2008, behind um, rebooting the franchise, was because they were trying to abandon all the things that made Freddy Krueger less scary. So he would no longer be cracking jokes, um, and it would be more of a horrifying movie. However, Craven had displeasure, because the filmmakers did not chose to not have him as a consultant on the film. They chose to not have Wes Craven as a consultant. Unlike the Last House on the Left remake, where he did consult to the Last House on the Left remake. Which is why that's a much better film. I mean, it is. It's kind of like Hurtful. He was hurt. Uh, ironically, uh, Robert England actually wanted the film to be remade. And he liked the idea of being able to exploit the dreamscape with CGI that didn't, and other technologies that, that did not exist with the original. So, Robert England was good, but then they replaced him. With the the guy from uh, Watchmen, <laughs> Robert is always cool with playing. He still wants to play Freddy, like whenever you know he can. He is Freddy. It's like Cal Kane Hodder, in my opinion. Like is the spirit of Jason uh, England's the spirit of Freddy. Robert England has not a bad thing to say about anybody. I never heard such a a positive person in my life. Like Jesus, mm-hmm. it's just crazy. But yeah, he's he you can't replace him in my opinion. He's got that face, Lane Staley style. That's the other thing. It's uh, Lane Staley from Alice in Chains. He looks just like him. <laughs> Especially later when Lane cut his hair shorter, like around the self-titled Alice in Chains album. If you look at the silhouettes in the videos and unplugged, you can see it. It's great. <laughs> Did you know that there was actually two Nightmare on Elm Street games released? There's the classic NES one that we all know. That's a four-player game, platformer. The other one was released on the Commodore 64, I was going to say, it's a Commodore. And IBM PC. Because they got so many games. Basically, it, it has role-playing elements and an overhead viewpoint that play that bears a similarity to Gauntlet. You play as either Kincaid, Kristen, Will, Nancy, or Taryn on a quest to save Joey and defeat Freddy. You have to locate keys to open doors. Weapons and items are scattered about the levels or can be purchased from vending machines. Enemies are varied from skeletons to wheelchairs. Uh, Freddy assumes the role of the boss monster and he stays transforms into a snake, much like his appearance in Part 3, The Dream Warriors. I have not played that game because I can never find a version that works on my Commodore. However, that sounds like the perfect Nightmare on Elm Street game. The other interesting thing, both that 
game and the NES are both modeled after Dream Warriors. Yeah. Because in the NES, you turn into the different, like, powers. Yeah. It's interesting, and it's also interesting that there's two Friday the 13th games back in the day. There's another one now, but, like, there's the one on the Commodore, too. And even for the NES, if you want more proof, there's a junkyard. Yeah. And in Dream Warriors, they go to the junkyard. Oh, yeah, for sure. And get Freddy's, like, bones and stuff. That's the other thing, too. In Part 4, a dog, like, pisses and brings Freddy back, like, pisses fire. Huh. It's, like, just dumb. It just, like, sucks on, like, so many levels. That's how uh, Kyle and Jeff are going to be brought back from to life, is dog pissing on our grave. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, such a jump from Dream Warriors. <sighs> yeah, quality fucking just goes in the shitter. Yeah, man. Like, God damn. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, I mean, uh, I would say one, two, three, and, uh... Freddy's Dead are my absolute favorites. I I love Freddy and with the boiler room, mm-hmm. that like industrial aspect too. So you have the the dark like factory atmosphere, the grime, the pipes, the the smoke, all of that. Oh, the the, uh, the whole the whole setting is is amazing and dreary and dark and completely different from other films. And with the claws, Wes Craven said his idea was that if you were like a primitive man, the first thing you would have to worry about would be like a bear claw or a tiger claw. Mm. That would be the thing that you would, you know, probably see on a daily basis that you would be fearful of. So that was his idea. Like, it's very primal. So he's he's very like the way he thinks. It's very, like, intellectual, and he tries to get, like, deep into your psyche and kind of, like, rattle you in that way, and that was his thoughts with that. He also said when a society moves to, like, a new area, the first thing that they look for is a weapon to carve out the body of an animal because they need to eat. Yeah. So he's like, that's the whole idea with the carnal aspect of horror like it's in all of us you know like all of us need at some point in our like evolution of our species it had to get pretty fucking down and dirty it's our primal instincts yeah so like that's his genius is that he always keeps that in mind you know it's freaking awesome yeah so i just wanted to throw that in there yeah But yeah, like what you said, how you never know when you're awake or you're not awake. Or, oh man, that that right there is like infinite fun times for like a writer. I mean, it's so easy. Like, you can go crazy. It's just like a, a, a clean, open slate. Like, a clean, open slate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you. We have a clean, open slate. <laughs> Brock Brock <laughs> So You forgot the power glove <laughs> Always loved always loved the classic in part three, the freaking little uh little drug fingers, <laughs> little needles. What a rush. What a rush. Classic Lions, the first movie. Up yours with a twirling lawnmower. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Little 80s Lions. Johnny Depp getting sucked into the bed. Yeah, we can't forget about Johnny Depp. I guess the original scene of that, he was just supposed to come back out of the bed and like plop onto it. <laughs> like that, it's so weird. It's a good thing they kept it the way that they did. Because it's ridiculous. Yeah, like he's gone in my opinion. He's not supposed to come back. But it's a dream that he died in the dream, so... That's where it gets complicated, too, and you could go into different, like, theories about what happens to your body if you die in a dream, and just still intact out of the dream, and it gets nuts. All I'd just say is the, the classic um, cameo that he makes in Freddy's Dead. He has the best name, too. His name is Oprah Noodle Mantra. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, God. He goes, this is your brain. This, this is your brain, brain on drugs. drugs. <laughs> Any questions? 
<laughs> Bang! Knocks him out with the frying pan. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing because that was what was on, like that was what was on TV as like commercials at the time. Yes, yeah, it's classic. So then they brought him back and had him just do that real quick. That was amazing. I love the humor though, like Anagata Davida. That scene's amazing in Freddy's Dead. You have the Wizard of Oz scene where he's, you know, flying on the broom. I mean, it's just fucking <laughs> great. I th- I think literally the shtick in that movie is perfect. Just like in part three, like, it's the perfect amount, and it's not too... Che- it's it's super, super cheesy in that one, but it's it's meant to be. Whereas in four and five, it, like, misses the mark because of the lack of quality. I mean, if Freddy has a certain glee about, like, getting off, you know, and scaring people, so there's that glee about it. Yeah. You know, the cake falls into it. And for all purposes, he'll always be right next to Jason Voorhees and, like, you know, the fucking icons of all time. Oh, he has to be. You can't mention, like, one without the other, almost. He's always on my uh, my totem pole of horror goodness. <laughs> that glove, too, because it's such a unique weapon it's not just like a weapon that you get at the store. Nope. It's like a, a, a made weapon. So that's where it kind of like trumps all the other horror icon weapons too. Because all the other ones are like, it's 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 already a created thing. This one's custom destruction. Yeah, like think about coming up with a movie where we develop our own weapon. That I think is the key because everything's been done, you know. Like, if, if we're going to make a new horror movie, what hasn't been done, you just got to make your own weapon. Yeah, it would have to be something structured around a weird thing. And that's <laughs> where that, that primitive thing comes in. Yeah, like something. It's recognizably... It has to be visceral. <laughs> visceral. <laughs> so looking at my notes, I pretty much covered everything I wanted to talk about. Did you want to throw anything else in there? Now, the only other thing I'd like to throw in is, like, it would be really cool if Nightmare on Elm Street now got the Friday the 13th treatment when it comes to a current-gen game. Imagine what the fuck they could do with a Nightmare on Elm Street game, even if they did it in, like, VR or something. But, like, just imagine, like, a VR thing, a trip, you're in a fucking dream world, and you're running from Freddy. It's infinite is what it is. Jesus, that would be amazing, like... Add-on packs and shit. Oh, God. Dream packs. Dream packs, but it could be anything. Like, didn't even have to follow the movies. It could go fucking nuts. No, absolutely not. Almost like anything but, like... That's the true thing, like, that's where VR, like, isn't going to be something for us just because there's never going to be that killer app that you have to buy it even at e3 this year in 2017 they haven't announced that killer app that there's some cool games and they're better than just tech demos but still there's nothing that's gonna get kyle and jeff to buy it so that's a tough one to sell hard for that Mm-hmm. but if they had a fucking nightmare on elm street <laughs> virtual reality game like something like that would pull us something that grabs their nostalgia by the balls. It's possible. It might not be out there, but it could be out there one day. It's in somebody's brain right now. Yeah, like, exactly. I know we're not the first people to think of that shit. I mean, even though just having a game where you could play as Freddy, jumping into dreams, or running from Freddy as, you know, the Dream Warriors or something, that would be cool, too. But I don't think it would be the same as uh, Friday 13th when it comes to, like, the multiplayer and all that shit. Yeah, it would have to be routed a little differently. In a more fantastical madness. I like the Dream Warrior aspect, though. Each person, you could make, even create your own warrior. Yeah, exactly. You could be your own, you can create your own character, basically. And that, you could take that fucking to the moon, basically. Yeah. Should be awesome, but... Yeah, it's... I don't think that the... Fans are as fanatical as about Nightmare on Elm Street as they are about Friday the 13th. Like, you know, it's just, there's something special about that one. I think that um, the sequels are more powerful for Friday. Like, they're they're all 
decent, whereas Freddy has its moments. Yeah. But that's my opinion. I think the one thing that we would probably have a better chance of seeing, instead of like a standalone, would be some kind of crossover game, or, you know, remember that old uh, horror movie fighting game that existed on computers? What was it called? Terrordrome. Rise of the Boogeyman. It is cool, man. Check it out. Terrordrome. Yeah, it's still going. That's the crazy thing. So it looks like you have Freddy, uh, Leatherface, Michael Myers, Jason, Chucky, Ash, Tallman, Ghostface Killer, Maniac Cop, Candyman, another different type, two different types of Jasons. Um, you have Herbert West, Pinhead. Yeah. Legend, fucking Wishmaster, Leprechaun. Looks like Pumpkinhead. Um, Pumpkinhead, holy fuck. Looks like the girl from The Ring. Exorcist. Two different Exorcists. That's amazing. And I mean, when I played it, it was literally just the middle middle two rows, and it was probably less characters than that. Yeah, they were like getting, just starting. Oh yeah, they were just starting out, and it was cool. It was awesome, though, but it's like they expanded the fuck out of it. Maniac Cop. Wow. A little fighting game. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. Yeah. There's another one called Reign of the Legends. Reign of the Legends is basically in November of this year. It will be going to Kickstarter, and they're going to do a shit ton of characters. It looks like it's called basically called Terror Drum Two. I think pretty cool. Hell yeah, man! Gotta love Freddy, dude. Hell yeah, Freddy, Freddy my friend. Freddy, my friend. He's my friend. He's my friend. Freddy, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> We love Freddy. All right, so with that, Shinara. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa.